Hello and happy Father's Day and thank you for listening to the podcast today on this beautiful, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous Sunday morning, Father's Day morning. I sit in my backyard in the 12 Corners area of Brighton right now looking at a blue sky, a flourishing garden. I have a four and a half year old son who just got a bike with training wheels and a helmet that he's wearing. Good job, buddy. And he's about to go take his bike for a little bit of a ride and see how that goes. And a gorgeous wife also who's just walked into the backyard. For whom I want to tell you too, my wife is so wonderful. She deserves so much better than what she's experienced in the last five minutes. Because in the last five minutes we've had two almost like sitcom-y miscommunications. Where I honestly would think this would be from an episode of of like Everybody Loves Raymond. (laughs) Where, uh, so we're going out to brunch this morning uh, with her family, and there's like 15 people going. And she reminds me this morning, she says, We're going to brunch, we're leaving at 9 30. My whole family's coming. And I said, Great, you know, I can't wait. That sounds great. Then I tell her, I say, Well, you know, I'm going to record my podcast, and and, uh, I've got to, you know, I'm going to make some coffee. I might watch a little bit of news. And then a minute or two later, she says, Well, do you have to do that? And I go, well, yeah, I mean, you said you've got like 15 people going to the brunch. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like I have to go to the brunch. It's like from a sitcom, right? That would be like just a stupid little <laughs> laugh track. But then the other funny thing is I went out to dinner last night, and I'll, I'll loop back around to this, but I went out to dinner last night with um, my family, and Ryan was not there last night. But she wanted to know how the dinner was. So she goes, how was your dinner last night at uh, Bon Ami? Which, again, I'll, I'll come back to this later. So how was your dinner last night? And I immediately start launching into the actual food. I'm like, oh, man, we had the octopus and the fried goat cheese uh, and the bouillabaisse. And she's like, no, I mean, how was the conversation with your family? <laughs> like, two, again, just the, the two completely di- – we're on two completely different brave uh, brainwaves sometimes, I think. And I feel so sorry for her because she deserves better. And to be honest with you, in both cases, she's absolutely right. It's literally me being a selfish child to like immediately launch in the two directions I launched in in both of those questions. And both times she just looks at me with these eyes of like, you know, it's sort of like love with just a, just a sprinkle of disappointment. (laughs) Anyway, happy Father's Day, everybody. It was a good Father's Day. My son woke me up with a hug and then we went downstairs and he gave me a card and it was a Hot Wheels card and then he gave me an actual Hot Wheels. He got me a car and then we played for a little while and had races and then pulled me over um, <clears throat> took my car away and my, right now my car is in jail, but that's okay because daddy has to record a podcast anyway. And like I said, it's just beautiful and perfect and gorgeous outside. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about this week. I had some interesting experiences this week, a couple of really interesting ones. One really interesting experience this week was um, that on uh, third, I think it was Thursday morning of this week, I actually got to do something that I am, am like over my over the moon excited that I got to do this. I was invited into Wegman's corporate kitchens to do some recipe development with them on a product that we are trying to launch out of our place for them um, that was like just what an experience to be around these guys because the the Wegmans chefs and a couple shout outs specifically Chef Eric, Chef Andrea, and there were a couple other chefs there as well, Uh, Meg from the marketing team, just really 
what a staff they had. They were actually filming this also, and it's for use eventually going to be for use on their social media to show some recipe development and how it all goes down. Uh, but really, I just I learned a lot from them. They and and seeing them at work too. I want to say is why I feel that my position on this little advisory panel on the Bosi's culinary board. I don't even know if it's a board as much as it's a, you know an advisory panel, a group of people who work for. <clears throat> Um, work for, or, or I guess at least attend a quarterly meeting to talk to the BOCES folks about their culinary program. It's why we exist, because one thing that happens, whether fortunately or unfortunately, is a lot of kids who get into the BOCES culinary program do so with the aspirations of one day becoming a chef at a restaurant, which is fine and great. But it is like, uh, it's really akin to saying, I'm going to be a star quarterback when I grow up. It's a great goal, and one in a zillion kids will become a star quarterback one day. But there are so many jobs in football, and back to my point, there are so many jobs in the culinary industry that you can also do and, and work in that industry that don't include being the executive chef of a restaurant and, quite frankly, working every night and weekend for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, there are corporate chef jobs like the ones that these Wegman chefs have. There are jobs like working with me in my in, in industrial and in manufacturing, food science, things like that. So there's plenty of operation uh, op- opportunities to work around food and work more of a traditional Monday through Friday, nine to five is really what I'm trying to get around to. And it was great to be around them. Really enjoyed being around them. Very talented people, far more talented in the kitchen than I am. I got to see how they assemble a recipe and kind of learn the steps of that. They were uh, creating, like, they, they kind of they kind of look at it like this. They go, and, and in this case, of course, we're making a sauce, and I'm sure different recipes would require different steps. But in the case of a sauce, they kind of start off with our base. What is our base, the actual bulk of the liquid going to actually be here? And so we started off with that and kind of designed our way through just the base. And then we fill out the rest of the flavor profile and the texture once we have our base down. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, to be fair to myself, that is already kind of how I do it. But seeing the justification of these professional chefs, and not only professional chefs, but like top of their game, top of their industry chefs. Wow! My son is currently riding his bike with his training wheels right now, and it is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, he's so cute. And he's wearing his helmet, which is good. Uh, but anyway, to see these chefs at the top of their culinary industry, just really in the, the, the you know the, the top position, and, they, and to see that they work that way too. Now, what they've got over me, of course, is just years and years of wisdom and experience and just kind of more of a... Um, I don't know. Uh, they can kind of pluck ingredients out of the out of the ether. I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They'll they will be able to taste something and decide what it needs, and nail it right down to the. Like in this case, I'll give you one thing that it needed that you wouldn't think of, and that was a sauce. This sauce needed dehydrated porcini mushrooms, and it was the absolute perfect ingredient to add. And I'm going, how did you even? How did you know to add that? Like, how did how did your brain just go to dehydrated porcini mushrooms? Anyway, what a great experience that was, and that was Thursday morning, and that's really where my story begins here. Because after that experience, 
I had the opportunity, my family came to town and I had the opportunity to show a lot of my relatives. I had an aunt, uh, an uncle to be, a couple of cousins, and my mother, my father all came. And I had the opportunity to give a tour of my factory, my plant, Craft Cannery, to them, which was really, really fun. Because I think in some cases, my aunt Kim, my cousin Stephanie, and my cousin Emily, who all were part of this tour, They've seen it literally from the beginning. Now, a lot of people go, well, I, I listen to you on the radio. I remember you talking about it. But Kim, Stephanie, and Emily are three human beings who were actually here on August 8th, 2014, when we drove to Walmart and Sam's Club and Dick's Sporting Goods and bought a tent and bread and tables and tablecloths. And then they were with me the morning of Saturday, August 9th, 2014, when we went down to the Riesling Festival on the Canandaigua Pier and set all of it up and opened officially for business at 10 a.m. that morning. Guglielmo sauce. And I had my mom, dad, cousin Emily, cousin Stephanie, Aunt Kim, uh, and my wife Ryan all with me that morning in 2014 and they were all with me this weekend and so it was just really special and especially walking them around that factory to know how it snowballed you know from that little booth august 9th 2014 to what it is today and i just think it was really sweet you know and also really makes me feel good that they didn't waste their time that day because i remember <laughs> thinking nobody's ever going to buy all this sauce first of all back then and second of all i remember thinking these poor people are all wasting their weekend helping me launch this little business which hopefully even exists three months from now well nine years in we're still going so that's good that is good so thursday we went to the new york kitchen i had my cooking class and uh, they all came they bought basically half the class so that they were uh, attendees at my class that night. Having them in the class was very special, made it very different than normal classes. And uh, especially because we were, we were rocking the recipe for something called Chicken Kelly, which is something you haven't heard of. That's okay. Nobody has. But once you try it, it's like, crack, this stuff is so good. And it has a fun backstory to it. It's like a almost a, uh, a stolen recipe. Some guy with a restaurant, I think it's in New Jersey who has it on his menu and it's like the famous chicken Kelly or something. And, um, his, his relative worked with my mom and gave the recipe to my mom. And then like a bunch of the other teachers and they all started sharing it with their families. And basically later it came back to this guy that all these people had his famous restaurant recipe that he was making a killing on at his restaurant. Long story short, it's just breaded chicken. You take chicken, you, you dip it in egg, and then you go to a uh, about a 50-50 mix between garlic powder or granulated garlic and breadcrumbs. You're going to fry that in some oil, put it in a casserole dish, put some mushrooms and Monterey Jack cheese all in there with it. Almost equal parts of the three, really. Chicken, Monterey Jack cheese, and mushrooms. Mix them all together. Just cubes of Monterey Jack cheese. Just cubes, and then just dice up the cubes. Then pour some chicken broth over it. Not a ton. You don't want to bathe it in the chicken broth, but you just want to make sure you get everything wet. Then throw that in the oven at 375 for like a half hour, 45 minutes. Just make sure the chicken's cooked all the way through, obviously. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, those flavors, they just work. So we did that in class. And seeing, you know, having my mom there for class, I had I called her in for a guest appearance, and she told the story of the stolen recipe. <laughs> and it was a great time. And then Friday was also a great time. So Friday... 
what we did was Friday rained, if you remember, um, and uh, I ended up making, because it rained, we were originally going to go out for lunch, but I ended up making, I came home early Friday and ended up making my grandfather's chicken soup recipe for my father, his, you know, so his father's chicken soup recipe, uh, which he really enjoyed, my mom as well, met up with everybody and eventually visited Redbird Market, which was great. And after Redbird Market, we all went to dinner at Dinosaur Barbecue, which was a strategic choice because we have a four-year-old with us, and we need a place where a four-year-old can get away with being kind of loud, and Dinosaur is loud. There's loud music going. People are not... It's just, it's not a fine dining, quiet experience. So it was really nice. That was the perfect restaurant to choose, and it was, of course, Dinosaur, as always, does not disappoint. But then after that, my mother and I, everyone else kind of went home, did their own thing, and my mom and I went to To Kill a Mockingbird, and it was the final show of the season. And I want to talk about that a little bit because, first of all, the just the general experience. What a season this season. I mean, all the shows, don't forget Hamilton was a part of this season too, but To Kill a Mockingbird and Beetlejuice and just everything else that's been a part of this season, Six and Come From Away, this was, this has to go down in history, one of the best seasons that we've ever had for the RBTL, uh, you know, and, and fun and ironic too. Friday on my way out the door to the last show, I got my mail and, um, uh, in our mail was our season tickets for next year. So that put me in a, in immediate good mood. Cause as much as you're excited to go see the play to kill a mockingbird, you're a little sad cause it's the last one of the season, but getting the tickets in the mail for next season certainly helped ease that a bit. And of course, my mother loves it because we have the sort of the VIP experience. We've got the tickets to the Arnie Rothschild Lounge. You got a little bit of open bar situation, some snackages. And then you go in and you watch this play, which um, I always, you know, I knew of To Kill a Mockingbird because essentially all of us are forced to read it at some point. But I didn't remember enough about it. And I didn't even remember the storyline. So I had asked a few people and talked about it a bit this week, and I knew it was heavy, and I knew it was related to race relations, and um, I wasn't expecting there to be some really light moments in it, though, too. There was certainly some funny parts in this play, which was great. You know, I mean, you can't just have, I'll be honest, I don't think you can just have three straight hours of tragedy. You, you gotta mix in some lightness. And they did. I mean, the show's two hours and 55 minutes, slightly shorter intermission. I think intermission was only about 20 minutes, usually their half hour. And also the uh, start time I thought was really interesting. They, they started really promptly at 8 o'clock and did not let anyone in those doors until a couple of natural breaks in the story. And I think the first one wasn't until almost a half hour into the show. So if you didn't get in those doors in time, you were not getting in until half hour into the show. And I, I thought that was I thought good for them, you know. On the one hand, I think, hey, if somebody buys their ticket, let them in. On the other hand, no, there's a, you have a responsibility to the theater, which, speaking of that, four different people had their phones go off during this show. And I was kind of annoyed by that, but it is what it is. <clears throat> I just don't understand how they do this big announcement before the show that says... Please silence your cell phones. How is it that you have that many people in a crowd who just go, yeah, but that doesn't mean me? You know, like, what? <clears throat> so, let's talk about the actual story of To Kill a Mockingbird. Loosely based on reality, from what I understand, uh, Harper Lee, I think it was a town she grew up, uh, excuse me, a town he grew up in, 
set in 1930s. The, the actual crime that it's loosely set on happened in 1919. But uh, basically, for anybody who doesn't know, the story of To Kill a Mockingbird is a trial. And it's a trial of a man, a black man, who is accused of raping and beating a white woman, a young white woman. And you start to hear this story through multiple different perspectives. And what you learn, and I'm, I guess I'm not going to give a spoiler here because I, I just want you to know, no spoiler alert here. I will not tell you how it ends, but I will kind of give you what would be in the trailer. So what you learn is that there's a really, really high likelihood that he's completely innocent of this crime. In fact, we're almost positive that he's completely innocent of this crime, but that somebody else in the story is guilty of the crime. But because he's black, he still doesn't ch- stand a chance in this trial. And um, that's, that's you know, as far as I'll go with that, I suppose. But, but what a story. What a profound story. The lead actor, the guy who plays Atticus Finch, the lawyer, was played by Richard Thomas, who my mom was freaking out over because I guess he was in the Waltons. But he was also in Ozark and Billions. So, you know, he's a working Hollywood actor. Um, And it's cool that he's on tour and doing this role. And he was so good and so powerful. And there's a part in the play, too, where in, in general referencing how unfair the life, especially in the 1930s, of this black man who's standing accused of this crime he didn't commit is he's being told things are changing. You know, we had the civil war, things were overturned. And he, he basically said that was yesterday. You know, you say that was that many years ago. That was yesterday. As far as this country is concerned and the people of this country. And it's funny because it still speaks today. I mean, this show is set in 1935, but in 2023, he's speaking directly to the crowd when he says, you need to remember that this was yesterday and it has got to stop. And it's because there's just so many problems still with those injustices. And it was so powerful. So, so powerful and so good. So loved To Kill a Mockingbird. Wonderful experience. Bravo to the RBTL staff for putting on yet another amazing season. And I'll tell you what, it's mid-June already. We've only got a couple of months until we start up with the next season. So what is it, September, I think, right? Three months off? Okay. Not bad, not bad. Now let me get into Saturday because Saturday was so much fun. So remember, I've got my family in town. My cousin Emily is staying at the lake house in Canandaigua. My aunt Kim and her boyfriend Marty are staying at an RV park just outside of Canandaigua. I think it was actually in Bristol. And then my mom and my dad are staying at a hotel kind of near my house. And I live in Brighton, 12 Corners area. My mom and dad are staying at a hotel downtown Rochester. So we start on Saturday where we're all going to head down. First of all, they come over for breakfast. And then we're all going to head down to this RV park because my son is going to flip out over this RV because he loves cars and trucks. That's his thing. And he's never been in an RV. And they have a nice RV. I'll just put it this way. They actually drove the RV down here. So when they stopped at my plant on Thursday for the tour, they, they were in the RV. And one of my employees said to me, he goes, wow, that RV that they rented is really nice. And I said, uh, they own that thing. Um, they did. They well, Listen, they travel in it. They use it a lot. That's their vacation. You know, and if some people buy vacation homes. They bought a vacation home. It just happens to have wheels on it. You know? So I listen, more power to them. Anyway, 
We go down to this campground in Pr- Bristol. Leo gets to see the RV. He plays on the playset. It's a good time. Then we go into the lake house, Canandaigua. I hadn't yet been there. Now, I've been to the New York kitchen a thousand times since they built the lake house, but I hadn't stepped foot in the lake house because, uh, frankly, because we're locals and it's a hotel. Now they've got restaurants there, and you would think, well, come on, Polly, what do you mean? I don't know. It was COVID, and, you know, it just didn't happen. I just somehow didn't end up at the lake house yet. So it was my first time walking in there since they built it. And two things. First of all, of course, it is gorgeous. Just absolutely gorgeous. Not only the building itself, but the landscape and the back and the, you know, the way it just butts right up to the water. It's like a resort. It's gorgeous. But also the decor of the way that they actually made it look and feel like a lake house. Like I went into my cousin's room and she was on the first floor. She's got a little deck. And on her deck, she's got Adirondack chairs. You know, she's got a wooden deck with Adirondack chairs. You go into her room, and, you know, all the little details of the decor of the room are all as if you are visiting somebody's lake house. Just, they really just nailed that. I mean, I guess, I, 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 can't, I can't say enough about how gorgeous that hotel is. And we went to the sandbar, which I hadn't been to since it was, you know, the dive version of the sandbar. So seeing the sandbar be this high-end kind of little restaurant now i was like this is cool um and had a really good experience spent a little time by the pool my son went swimming and then eventually some people scattered went their own ways and it was just down to me and my cousin she's young she's like 31 years old or something and we were like let's make a day out of this so we did a little bar crawl (laughs) we we walked over to a young lion had a flight there, happened to catch Jen Newman in action, the owner of Young Lion, who, of course, I'm a giant fan of. I think she's a genius. Um, so we get to see her and talk to her for a few minutes. Then we went next door to a place I've never been, driven by it a thousand times, but never been. Jose and Willie's, kind of like a biker bar. I went in there, saw Rick Herman from the Rochester Home Builders Association. So I get to see some people I know. By the way, I was in it also at like Young Lion and... All these bars I'm talking about, I saw a handful of people I knew, so it was cool, too, just to be out and about. I'm never out and about anymore, right? Like, I'm a business owner and a dad, and the amount of time that I have to just go out to bars and restaurants is just not there anymore. So this was so much fun for me yesterday. <clears throat> but we go to Jose and Willie's. Um, by the way, if you're looking for cheap eats, let me recommend Jose and Willie's because I actually told the bartender happened to be the owner. And she's like, what do you think of our bar? And I go, I love your bar. I love everything about your bar. I have one complaint. And she's like, oh, God. But my complaint was, I said, your prices are too cheap. She goes, what do you mean? I go, you've got like a menu full of, you get chicken wings for, a dozen chicken wings for 10 bucks. You get mozzarella sticks, chicken fingers, like $8, $8. Jalapeno poppers, $6. I'm going, what are, this, all this stuff would be double these prices at all the restaurants around you. Come on, man. You know, let's just start charging a little bit more here, <laughs> which I think she actually did appreciate. I don't think she I think she recognized I wasn't actually making a complaint. Um, but she said, look, you know, we know who we are. The other funny thing is uh, my cousin goes, well, what are your specialties? And she kind of goes, she goes, um, well, we don't really have any. We're just kind of a dive bar. <laughs> I thought that's so funny. She just, she's like, look, this is who we are. So then my, co- uh, my uh, brother-in-law comes. And uh, we look at his apartment real quick. He lives, like, right above where that is. And then he drives us down to, I had been asking people the whole time, where do I eat? If I'm in Canandaigua, where do I eat? Where do you suggest? And over and over and over, people recommended to me the same place. They recommended Bon Ami. And 
I didn't know this, but finally we went to Bon Ami. We did not have reservations, so we sat at the bar, which was fine. But we go to Bon Ami, immediately greeted by the enthusiastic and charismatic owner. It turns out it's the same owners of Il Posto. Uh, Il po- uh, what was it called? Il Posto. Remember Il Posto in Canandaigua for years? Yeah, so for years there was this great Italian restaurant on Main Street right in the town of Canandaigua called Il Posto. It went away. I think a lot of us assumed because of COVID, you know, it was hard times for all restaurants. But as it turns out, they bounced right back and opened another restaurant. It's this Bon Ami. So they had an Italian restaurant and now they have a French restaurant. We had fried, my cousin had fried goat cheese. I had um, octopus. Of course, there was a salad course. Even just the bread that they brought out was delicious. You know, it's got that good, like just high, high, um, uh, what do you call it? butterfat? Butterfat content butter, just really delicious. Then the actual meals. She had a pasta dish, and I had the bouillabaisse, which is kind of uh, zuppa di pesce, French version of zuppa di pesce. Then for dessert, we had this. Um, it had a name, and I'm, it's terrible that I don't remember the name, but it's basically picture like a chocolate brownie. A baked chocolate brownie with, like, whipped cream on top, but it came in a cauldron. (laughs) And so it had this, just this flavor to it. Just felt so good. We were talking about, my my, my cousin and I were talking about restaurants. And, you know, we don't always, we're not always on the same page as far as what is a great restaurant in my family. Because I've got a very meat and potatoes uh, set of parents. My mom and dad are very... um, uh, I don't know. They're just, they're, they're, you know, best way to describe it is meat and potatoes, right? They're very like, just give me a pretty basic menu here and I'll be very happy. And so when they go in, if they went into a little French restaurant and saw a bunch of words they didn't recognize, my parents would be a little on edge. Now they'd probably end up loving their meal because everything there's delicious, but uh, you know, there'd be some anxiety during the ordering stage. So we were talking about it. My cousin's like, what do you think makes a good restaurant? And I told her generally the less tables and the smaller the menu, the better the restaurant. Because nothing beats homemade, and that's the closest you can get to homemade in the restaurant world, is a restaurant that's only got about 12 tables and only has a limited menu. I mean, the, you know, even this Bon Ami, they've got apps and salads and stuff, but the actual menu, it's only about eight, nine, ten items on that menu. Drives me crazy when people are impressed by big menus. You know, menus that are like 12 pages long, Cheesecake Factory menu, right? The portions come out and they're these giant portions. Listen, I'm a fat guy. I like a giant portion more than anybody. But it doesn't, it, it generally doesn't mean good things about the restaurant that you're at when you're getting giant portions off of a menu that was 12 pages long. Uh, you just, I don't know. I think you'll just see that in life as you go on and eat at nice restaurants or any restaurants, that you tend to correlate less tables and smaller menus with higher quality food and a higher quality experience. So anyway, bull not me, top notch. Now, my wife and son split off last night to go to celebrate Father's Day with uh, my father-in-law. They went to the Red Wings game last night and saw the fireworks, and that sounds like it was amazing. They had a really good time. And uh, as I look at the clock, it's almost time for me to hang this up right now. And go and meet up with everybody for this brunch for Father's Day. So I'm excited. Oh, what restaurant are we going to? That's a good question. Oh, God, wait a second. It's actually a restaurant that I've never even heard of. Uh, I think it's called George's Restaurant in Penfield. 
I hadn't heard of it, but you know what? We were a group of 15 looking for a last-minute reservation. Is it a good thing that this particular restaurant has an opening for 15 people on Father's Day with little notice? Eh, That remains to be seen. (laughs) We'll see. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.